Larry, would you open the Sunday School Hour in prayer? Amen. And again, the memory verse for this week is for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So sometimes we don't think about that. God hates rebellion and God hates stubbornness. And when I read that passage, I, I think of where the Apostle Paul said, and in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. And that's the, some of the struggle we all have. And he hates it. Rebellion is rejecting God through disobedience. And what my wife used to say to my children, Mike and AJ and Heather, were saying to grandchildren living with us, and that is failure to obey is to disobey. And you can't get away from that, you know. And we get caught with so many times rebellion and stubbornness gets caught up because the thing behind that is pride. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not proud, I'm insecure. No, you're proud. You're insecure, you're proud because you want people to think better of you. Okay, and we you struggle with that, and it can be disguised, okay. That stubbornness and rebellion is disguising, it's disguised our pride. How do what I do choice I'm making benefit me? Thoughts and ideas, okay? When the Word of God doesn't make any sense to you, you're wrong, it's right. Amen? Sometimes we get caught in our emotions. And I just felt like I had to. When the Word of God says one thing and your feeling says something else, God's word is right, and your emotions are wrong. We should not be controlled by our feelings. Sometimes people turn around, and they bring their traditions into their belief. Okay? And I don't care if that's the way your family always did it. If it disagrees with the commands of God, it's wrong. We get impatient. That's me. I can get impatient very quickly when something doesn't respond or a person doesn't respond the right way. Okay, sometimes you do the right thing, but you're doing it at the wrong time, and it ends up still being wrong. When we're trying to look good in the eyes of others, you know, what you are in your Christianity is what you are when no one else sees you. Sometimes it's convenience, the easy way. This is in your devotions. And sometimes it's fear. We're afraid of the consequences, so we, we try to hide something. We need to see rebellion and, and stubbornness the way God sees it. And uh, one of the things, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 13, 14, and 15. So you can turn there in your Bible. But in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, it says, to But to obey... Behold, to obey is better than 
sacrifice. It's going to go according to what your heart is. How many of you ever tried to, you know, make something up or make up for doing something wrong? You disobeyed God and you knew it, so then you tried to do something else to make up for it. Hmm? Right? Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. And it always will come down to an heart attitude. I want you this morning to think about the next time you get rebellious or you get stubborn. You need to think about an evil witch bowing down before an idol. Because that's the comparison God makes to me when I get stubborn and I rebel against what he says. So this takes us to the story of Saul and Jonathan. 1 Samuel... Chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 8. Well, in the beginning of this, it said, verse 1, it says, And Saul reigned one year, this is 1 Samuel 13. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel. Basically, they were going to go to battle against the Philistines. Okay, and they're going to take them on, and they got outnumbered. And Saul was waiting, because Samuel was supposed to come, he was supposed to seek God and the blessing of God and then give them the right time to leave and to make a sacrifice for them as they went into battle. But Samuel tarried. He was held back. Not important the reason why. Okay, But what happened, in verse 8 it says, And he tarried seven days, according as the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. See, they started to leave, and he's trying to get rid of the battle. And Saul said, bring hither the burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. A good thing done by the wrong person at the wrong time. And it came to pass that as soon as he made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me. See, he was looking at his circumstances and getting antsy, getting nervous, getting anxious. The people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord." I got this highlighted in three different colors. You know what Saul's response was? I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. There was no forcing. There was anxiousness. There was not waiting according to the command of God. He couldn't wait on God. He couldn't see what God was going to do. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee.
Saul's impatience. Any of you suffer from impatience? I do. I become, I'm with my head injuries. It's one of those things I become obsessive compulsive. Confession. I missed men's prayer last night. I was in my office from 1 o'clock and I didn't come home until 8.30 or so, 8 o'clock. It was after around 8. You know what? Men's prayer was last night. I talked to Pastor Kenny yesterday and we talked about it. And you know what he told me? He says, I've made arrangements. Kevin Thomas is going to lead the prayer time. And I said, okay, I don't have to dwell on that. And I didn't. I was in my office. No one drove around the building and they had prayer time and I wasn't there. I become obsessive about the things I have to take care of. Okay, and so then when things aren't in the timing that I want, then I get frustrated. You ever had that? I want you to realize, I put my socks and my shoes on the same way you do. I wonder what it's cost. And Samuel showed up. Saul tried to put the blame on Samuel and the people. Well, you didn't show up when you were said the time appointed, and the people started leaving me. You know what that is? That's the woman thou gavest me. Right? You have to take responsibility for your actions. This is the beginning of the end. God couldn't trust Saul in the little matters. So how could he trust him with the kingdom leading his people? We need to set the pattern in our lives and make the choices in the little things. So when it comes time for the big thing, it's not something that's new to us that causes us to be anxious. You understand me? You with me? It says, be, ready? I want you to go look at Luke 19. Luke 19. Verse 12, he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered unto them pound, ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass, when his return, having received the kingdom, then he commanded the, the servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might show how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said, Well done, or well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in what? Very little. Have thou authority over ten cities. And you go down to five, and to the one who said, well, I know that he's an austere man, I can't trust him, so I buried it. And here's your pound. And he said, called him a wicked servant, an unfaithful servant. Do you understand what I'm saying to you with that? The pattern is established in what we do with the little things. And that's something that we won't do by reflex. We won't do by habit. It will be choose you this day whom ye will serve. Every moment of our Christian life. You're going to choose who you're going to serve.
We need to be faithful in the little things. Men who think they want to become deacons need to realize that then their family comes under the, the, the inspection of the preacher as he's trying to put someone forward. How is he with his wife? How is he with his children? Is he faithful in the little things that he does? Because unto whom much is given, much is required. That's just the way that works. The Apostle Paul, will come to it again later, he said, be ye followers of me. In the morning message, it's going to be stated, even as I am of Christ. You know what we struggle with? God's timing. You ever struggle with God's timing? Isaiah 40, familiar verses. We need to understand it. Isaiah 40. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, Isaiah 40, verse 28, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the who? And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that what? Wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's one of the hardest things we do in our life. It's waiting for God's timing. We have to be careful with our wanters. Because you know what can happen? Our wanters can steal the peace that we can have with God on a day-to-day basis. You still with me? There's nothing new under the sun. Here's the example of Saul. Abraham, the father of faith, and Sarah had to wait on God. And when they didn't, and Sarah wanted her man-child, she brought Hagar into the formula. How'd that go? This morning, before I preach, I'm going to be asking men to come forward so we can pray for the nation of Israel and for their protection. If If you've been living in a a hut someplace, and you don't know what's going on, there's been a major war started, an attack on the nation of Israel. And it's affecting things around the world because things are going to drop sides. It's just another preparation. Okay? It's not Armageddon, but it's a preparation. And our current president said, we stand firmly with Israel. There was his words against this outrageous act of war and terrorism. Will his actions support his words? To obey is better than sacrifice. Back to our text. Verse 
In chapter 14, it says, And it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under pomegranate tree, which is by Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, please don't name your children these names, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. In between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other Sine. For the forefront of one was situated northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few, which is an absolute truth. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over these men, and we will discover ourselves to them. And if they say thus unto us, Tarry till we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say, Come up to unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered the garrisons, and you know the rest of the story. They went over and they started fighting, and there was a slaughter. Verse 14, and, uh, Jonathan, his armor bearer, took about 20 men in a half acre of land. Okay, And there was trembling in the host in the field. The Philistines were afraid, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they all trembled in the earthquake, so it was a very great trembling. God honored Jonathan's steps of faith. He put it in a place for a choice to be made. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah and Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. The Philistines were hurting themselves and trying to get away. The confusion that was taking place. And Saul said unto Ahiah, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass, so I Saul talked with the priest, that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thy hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. See, when one person takes the stand, you're now putting God in a place where he can do a miracle for you. When you're willing to stand for him. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. There's Hebrews who had been taken into slavery. Hebrews had kind of, other Jews had kind of looked and said, I can't fight against these. If can't beat them, join them. And they turned back. Likewise, all the men of Israel which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard in them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over to beth Avon. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjourned the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until the evening, that I, might avenge, I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. Who was Saul thinking about? 
That's a different response than we see in the very next couple chapters where David tells them that the, the Philistines have gone against the Lord, his God. See the difference? I might be avenged. Who is it about? Me. He's made it about me. Saul made it about himself, not about God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Verse 25. And all they in the land came to a wood, and there was honey in the ground. And when the people were come into the wood, behold, the honey dropped, so that no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. He was too busy fighting. Wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened. And what comes out of that? Then the people ran on that and started eating and they went against it. They said, cursed is the man, you know, the people, the father has straightly charged the people with an oath saying, cursed is any man that eateth any food this day. My father hath troubled the land. He goes on, verse 30, How much more if happily the people had eaten freely the day of the spoil of their enemies, which they found, for had there not been much greater slaughter among the Philistines? And they smote the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people flew upon the spoil. Which you find in here, you get, you know, we're going through this. Do you understand? We get caught. Some person takes the stand, other people followed it, confusion came upon the enemies, and then someone interjects themselves into it. And it's no longer about God and God's will. It's about me, myself, and I. What I need, what I want, what I say. Saul had given a silly vow forbidding the soldiers any food. Anyone ate was going to have the curse of death on him. His heart was not right. How foolish that a sacrificial vow would give him victory when his heart was not right. To obey is better than sacrifice. Look at Proverbs 16. And we're coming back to Samuel 14. Proverbs 16. Look at verse 15. Excuse me, Proverbs 12, 15. Before we get to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is what? Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Now go to Proverbs 16. Verse 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the... Now we apply that to people trying to come to God their own way and not through Jesus Christ. 
but we never realize how much it will cost us when we do it our own way. And we don't take the time to find out if it's God's way. And we don't take the time to wait until God shows us. I've driven people crazy through the years. They've said, Pastor, you didn't move fast enough. You need to do this. You should have done And I'm going, no, I'm going to wait on God. <laughs> Critics. <laughs> okay. Jonathan, Saul's son, back in our text, 1 Samuel 14, knew nothing about the vow. He ate some honey due to hunger. If you look at verse 45 of that chapter, chapter 14, let me see here, yes. Let's go here, verse chapter 14. And now lots being cast, I mean, who's disobeyed the vow? And Saul said, cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son, and Jonathan, because they cast lots, whether it was the children of Israel or whether it was the house of Saul. And it came down to be the house of Saul that disobeyed Saul's order. Cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son, and Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what thou hast done. And Jonathan told him, I did but taste a little honey with the end of the rod that was in mine hand, and now, lo, I must die. And Saul answered, God, do so and more so, for thou shalt surely die, Jonathan. He's going to kill his son. And the people said unto Saul, Shall Jonathan die who hath wrought this great salvation in Israel? God forbid, as the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he hath wrought with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, that he died not. Then Saul went up from following the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Do you realize what happened there? Because of that challenge, and because now Saul was challenged by his people, they stopped fighting. I wonder if the Philistines could have been annihilated if they'd have just done it God's way. Jonathan knew nothing about the vow. Senseless death sentence showed the people what a fool they had for a king. They won't follow him. Go to Proverbs chapter 13. I want you to look at this verse and think of the, the structure of it, the words that are being said. When an issue comes up in a marriage, an issue comes up in a home, an issue comes up in a church, an issue comes up in a workplace, an issue comes up in a school, an issue comes up in a town, a state, the federal government, and there's a problem between people. Watch what this verse says. You ready? Proverbs 13 and verse 10. Read it with me. You ready? Proverbs 13, 10. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. 
when there is contention, either one or both parties are acting in pride. That's not my words. That's God's words. I don't know about you, but sometimes that goes to me. Amen? Only by pride cometh contention. See, making decisions without God affects others. What's some of the rules you should go go by before making decisions and plans? Making good decisions. Why is patience and obedience important? When I do premarital counseling, I've used it for years. Pastor Kenny and I are starting to use another program for marriage counseling and premarital counseling. But preparing for marriage is a book. I had some return to me this morning. Inside there, there's a decision wheel that can be applied to decisions about marriage, but it also can be applied to decisions about anything in your life. And the center of that, the, the, the hub, is Jesus Christ. If it doesn't honor Him, it's not the right decision. Then you have the leading of the Holy Spirit as one of the spokes. The Word of God is another spoke. Counsel from godly people is another spoke. (laughs) Circumstances is another spoke. Puberty hit me hard right there, I'm sorry. Okay, is another spoke. And the wheel is where you're headed. How do you make those choices and decisions? Can you look back and see where you made decisions because that wasn't there and what was the outcome of them? Only by pride cometh contention. How do you make those decisions? Will it glorify Jesus? Am I doing this for my wants or for God? Will what I do cause others to stumble? Does it edify or build up other people? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. My flesh gets in my way so many times. Minister grace to the hearers. Saul's pride got in the way. Started with Saul's impatience. Led to his pride. Now takes us to 1 Samuel 15. Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which the Amalek did to Israel, how he laid in wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. Slay both man, woman, infant, and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Oh, A loving God would. Yeah, he would. Because he's a righteous God. 
And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men in Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For that ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Nothing wrong with that, right? So Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until the coming cometh to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and only destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge, they destroyed utterly. What was Saul's command? Go now and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man, woman, infant, and suckling babies, Ox, sheep, camel, and ass. They're supposed to kill them all. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set Saul up to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he was told, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Look at this is he's gotten to the place where he doesn't even recognize the difference between obeying God and disobeying God. Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of oxen that I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people. (laughs) Pattern of not taking responsibility for our actions. Right? The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said, Saul, stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to us this, said to me this night. And he said, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Wherefore thou didst not obey the voice of the Lord, and did fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took spoil. Got a question. Was Saul supposed to spare Agag? He doesn't even understand it. He's still blaming the people. The sheep and the oxen and the chief of the things which should have been early destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. See, he thinks it's a good thing. I'm doing this so I can give a sacrifice to God. To obey is better than sacrifice. And Samuel has said, The Lord has the great delight and has the Lord a great a great delight in offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubborn is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he had also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. He's still doing what? Making an excuse for not taking responsibility for what is taking place. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. The strength of Israel is the Lord God. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, what before who? Where is he trying to save face? I pray thee before the elders and the people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Isn't it amazing? The way that goes. Saul still hadn't learned what true repentance was. I have sinned. Come with me before the people. I've given it many, many times. Four hours of repentance. Recognition that you sinned against God. Godly remorse. To have godly remorse means you're taking accountability that it was you who did it. It was your choice. Endeavoring to restore when possible to the other person or whatever had taken place. And endeavoring not to repeat. How many of you have ever heard your kids say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry? Are they sorry? But you let it go. And what do they learn from that? To say those words. Saul's doing this. He's saying, I'm sorry. Please don't make me accountable for my actions. Not David. Because I want you to know, I look at David, a man after God's own heart, and the man offered, he, he cheated and had a man murdered. He cheated on, with the man's wife. He committed adultery. And when you go to Psalm 51 and you see his accountability, when he's met by Nathan the prophet, and the prophet says, Thou art the man. And David says, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this. It's evil, this wickedness in thy sight. And it's a confession. You want to know what repentance is? Look at Psalm 51 and understand what repentance is. That's how you can be a man for God's own heart. Will we sin? Yes. How do you repent? I'm sorry doesn't cut it with God. 
Because man looketh on the outward appearance, God looketh upon the heart. And repentance starts in the heart. And so many times, it says, it says in Romans, it's either 14.5 or 15.4, I may have them switched, the signature. It says, for whatsoever written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. We need to learn to be honest before God. To take responsibility for our actions. And when we're wrong, take it, confess it, and ask forgiveness. But ultimately, we have to always ask forgiveness of God because all sins, not just against the person, it's ultimately against God. Saul didn't do this. Okay? Saul was supposed to only destroy the Amalekites. He failed to kill King Agag, and he took the best of the spoils for himself. That he was going to sacrifice it. What if Samuel hadn't called him on it? Would he have sacrificed him? We don't know. His pattern probably, because everything was about him, was no. He would have added to his coffers. Because there was times in the battle of Israel against their enemies, that God said, no, you don't take any of the spoil. And then another battle said, yes, you can. Because God wanted to see if their allegiance was to him and to obey his word. Saul lied to Samuel and told me to obey the Lord. <laughs> Samuel hears the noise of the animals and Saul blames the people. Did you ever look at this in verse, look at verse 13 again in Samuel 15. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. You know what he did? He substituted saying for doing. And Saul said, They have brought from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep of the oxen, and sacrificed the Lord, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Verse 21, But the people took of the spoil of the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Saul made excuses instead of confessing his sin. He offered sacrifices instead of obedience. That of obedience. He confessed his sins, didn't impress the prophet, because his confession did not contain true sorrow and repentance. He was more concerned with what the people would think of him than what God thought of him. How many times do we put the reputation that we have in the eyes of men above godly character? One of the reasons that we fear men so much is because we don't fear God enough. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We don't fear God enough. 
Result was God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to David. Look what he said about David in that end of chapter, in verses 20. Let me see here. Verse 26 of the chapter 15. And Samuel said, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go, he laid his upon his skirt and in the mantle. And Samuel said, And the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to what? That is better than thou. Better than thou. God wanted a king who had a shepherd's heart. It can be tempting to try to place some good work ahead of what God is telling you to do. Well, Lord, I don't want to do that, but I'll do this. I'll do this. Religious works are not bad if the heart is right and obedient. Religious works mean nothing if the heart's not right with God. Turn to 2 Timothy 2.5. Verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. That's what Saul did. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, being over people, yet he is not crowned except he strive how? Lawfully. To obey is better than sacrifice. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Take a break.